This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. My name is Kaylee Nix, and I'm super excited to be having this conversation with Gordon Downs, the CEO over at the New York Shipping Exchange. To put a little bit of perspective on the crazy world of maritime shipping, Gordon, thank you for joining us for this fireside chat and for Global Supply Chain Week. Absolutely. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So the New York Shipping Exchange has really put forward you guys as one of kind of the premier spaces to find information on what's going on in global maritime. You're tracking contracts, you're tracking digitization, you're tracking activity. In the last three years have been a little wild for maritime shipping. Can you give me an overview on what you guys are seeing in the broader market right now? So right now, I think it's it's very clear that the market has normalized or is in the process of normalizing. Uh, prices are coming down close to pre-pandemic levels. The, the carrier ocean networks are starting to untangle. So the supply chain bottlenecks, which were very prevalent and uh, made the headlines during the pandemic, are, are now largely being removed. And, and we're seeing normalization in the market, both from a supply and from a um, price perspective. The interesting thing, though, is we are seeing less demand than we saw during the pandemic. Now, of course, during the pandemic, there was this uh, big surge in physical goods being imported because people were stuck at home spending their disposable income on on goods and not necessarily services and so on. So that that is a, a slight difference and it'll take time for it to normalize. And there is also a surplus of inventories at the moment. Warehouses in most uh, sort of consumer developed markets are full and um, there'll be a need for sort of destocking, as it were, before the demand starts to pick up again. Um, but again, this is all to be anticipated. And it, I suppose if the industry is, like I said, back in the, the realm of normalizing. So for the United States, we're obviously a very import-dependent economy. We import the majority of our goods, especially our physical goods, our e-commerce goods, consumer goods, things like that. And from a domestic perspective, I think we talk about that a lot. We talk about import numbers a lot here at Freight Waves. Of course, we have some indices that track all that stuff. But from a global perspective, this is Global Supply Chain Week after all, what does it look like from an export side from the country Sorry, that we're importing from to see this sudden demand drop, the destruction in demand that we've seen over really the last nine months or so, what does then that do to the global environment when you're looking at countries like China or Vietnam or mainly Asian countries that were exporting goods to the US? So it it is interesting to see how this has played out. It's, It's actually in a way somewhat fortunate that there's been a slowdown in imports because of the inventory buildups we have in the US. And for example, as China reopened their, so at least loosened their zero COVID policy, allowed people to start to socialize and, and uh, relax some of those controls. As we all know, there was a big spike in, in infections and people people were sick and the, it, it put an impact on the workforce that was available to work, especially in the lead up to Chinese New Year. So under normal circumstances, there's a big spike in demand prior to Chinese New Year, and it's usually a mad rush for all the factories to produce the goods in time for Chinese New Year. Because there wasn't that big spike in demand, uh, it didn't put a strain on the the reduced labor force out in, in those markets. So in some ways, it's actually played out 
relatively well given the circumstances. But but there's no doubt what we're seeing is companies, importers, for example, canceling purchase orders from the manufacturers in Asia. Um, what I think is likely to happen is we'll see destocking take place and then companies need to re instate their purchase orders so that they can get fresh fresh goods flowing back into their supply chains. And that'll probably happen at similar times. And we will see somewhat of a bullwhip effect. And anyone who studied supply chain knows about this uh, bullwhip effect that, that can happen very easily. And compounding that is we're seeing carriers starting to so rationalize their networks, blank vessels, so reduce the number of strings that they're running because the demand is at the moment suppressed. But of course, as this uh, the destocking takes place and demand comes back, which it will eventually, um, there again is another risk of, of a, a short-term period where there is bottlenecks or at least shortages in supply, and that could very well cause freight, freight rates to spike up again. So bottom line is uh, it, it's an interesting way in which this is unfolding and there is definitely more volatility ahead and i think that's something which everyone has learned from the pandemic you have to anticipate these things and so i think it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to test how people's strategies relating to supply chain risk are going to play out in the coming months and quarters ahead building redundancy is something that we've heard a lot over the last three years is really trying to find those little pieces of your supply chain that you can tweak and make them viable in multiple different scenarios. I want to zoom in a little bit on the carriers themselves, because one of the key things that NYCHEX does is provide very tangible visibility for your shippers to your carriers. And it almost kind of takes away some of the upper hand that a lot of the ocean carriers have by keeping their practices or keeping their contracts held close to the chest, right? It gives that visibility perspective. And back in 2020, in the peak of 2021, during the height of that congestion, ocean carriers had such an upper hand, so much so that the FMC passed the Open Ocean Shipping Reform Act, giving them more power to get in with these carriers and say, hey, you can't do this, what you're doing. How have you guys seen behavior of the carriers change as the market changes? Are we seeing differing contracts? We're still seeing some carriers post record profits, but what has changed in the way that they're doing things now with a different market? A lot has changed. And, and look, I think it's we, we have to be fair to, to the carriers. They... I think for the vast majority of them actually want to perform well for their customers and, and they want to make contracts and they for a long time have always wanted to make the contracts that they feel will they can provide the service they agree to and, and they can expect in return the cargo and the revenue that they contracted. So I think deep down carriers have no desire to deceive their customers or, or play keep contracts close to the vest. Um, but unfortunately, as we all know from this industry, there's there is a I'd say a challenge whereby shippers don't often fulfill their contracts when the market's in their favor. Um, and by the same token, when the market's in favor of the carriers, they're incentivized to load the highest paying cargo on the ships because there is this integrity challenge when it comes to contracts. And that's something which we've seen a lot of improvements taking place. Carriers, all kinds of carriers have made giant steps and in innovating on how they contract. And this is a very positive step for the industry because first off, it helps carriers to, to better service their customers. If they can have greater certainty as to what they've committed to, what their customer is going to require from them in terms of capacity and, and in order to service the volume, um, the carrier can better service that, the carrier can better plan their network, the vessels, the equipment, et cetera. So there's a lot of value for the carrier. By the same token, there's a lot of value for the shipper as well in the sense that they can manage their supply chain risk and they can choose what type of contract better suits the needs of their particular supply chain. So all of this is positive. You know, one thing I think 
for me has been a very positive step forward is that for a long time, contract innovation really revolved around this idea of penalizing one another, putting a sort of a, a stick into the contract and, and teeth into the contract. Sometimes people use those terms. And we're seeing, yes, there is innovation in that respect, but there's also a lot of innovation in terms of the positive incentives. So by a carrier and a sugar performing, they're is more access to capacity in the future, potentially better terms, potentially performance being tied to, and I'm talking about contract performance, being tied to VIDs and other things like that. So there is a lot of innovations, not all negative, that's for sure. There's a lot of positive incentives uh, coming into play. And another area of innovation that we're seeing is that there is a desire to build technology, which makes it easier for the carrier and the shipper uh, to coordinate with one another. Because again, a lot of the challenges of the past relating to contract performance and the, the, the sort of the lack of integrity in the contracting process is not because people have bad intentions. It's often because people don't have the, the insight to know when the problem is in, for example, the shipper's challenge with regards to making bookings on time or, or whatever that case might be, or whether it's on the carrier side. And when there isn't that clear visibility into who's performing and who's not, um, it becomes sometimes quite combative. And so by building technology, so it makes it much easier for the carrier and the shipper to see where a problem might arise and to be able to surface that information in a timely way makes it so much easier for the carrier and the shipper to actually solve the problem, hopefully bring the contract back on track. And at the end of the day, everyone benefits when these contracts are fulfilled. Again, carriers can better plan their vessels, they can better service their customers, shippers can better manage their supply chain, and, and NBOs can better manage their cargo mix, their revenues and margins, et cetera. So truly is exciting to see this innovation. And I think the, the pandemic and, and, so, and frankly, some of this regulation as well is just served as a catalyst for speeding up the rate of innovation. So I think it, as much as it was painful for many of the companies involved in the pandemic trying to navigate through all these bottlenecks, I think there's been some great lessons learned and the, the, you know, what they say necessity is often the mother of invention. In this case, I think there's been a lot of improvements in, in innovation speed up in terms of the adoption of technology and process improvements, et cetera. Last thing that I want to hit on is some of those investments in in just changes. A lot of these carriers have made by investing into different offerings for their network. Some carriers have invested in air cargo. Some carriers have started offering freight forwarding options. Some carriers have really just started to diversify their needs to cater to all the needs of the shipper instead of asking the shipper to go out and work with a different group every piece by piece, right? Can you touch a little bit on what that looks like, what that investment looks like, and how going forward that might make these carriers stand out a little more when it comes to competition? That's a, that's a great point. And I think this is a, taking a big step back. This is a very interesting development in the industry. I think a lot of carriers and shippers and NBOs, quite frankly, have been concerned that the industry is commoditizing, especially under the times of intense price pressure the uh, the focus becomes on reducing cost and that usually results in in service quality compromises uh, and and of course we've seen that in the data and when when an industry commoditizes this isn't great because it doesn't give a lot of choice to the consumers of this industry or the users of the industry service and Having seen carriers now investing more in the end-to-end -end sort of delivery, um, enhancing their network with additional services, et cetera, I think is a wonderful demonstration that the industry isn't commoditizing and that there is a lot of room for competitive differentiation, which means that if you're a customer of a carrier, you have a lot of 
different choices. And that's, that is a positive thing. And I do know that for some of the NBOCCs and freight forwarders in the market, they might look at the carriers and the way that they're investing in some of these typical freight forward or NBO type services and say that, well, this is a, this is a concern because it's a competitive threat. I think that is true. I mean, but at the end of the day, I think generally competition is a good thing. And I do think that the value proposition of a, of a traditional NBOCC freight forwarder who is entirely dedicated to linking together component parts of the supply chain is going to be fundamentally different to that of a, a large steamship line who has integrated and created all these additional value propositions on top. And so I think once again, there is a lots of room for differentiation. Competition isn't necessarily a bad thing. Oftentimes, it, it spurs innovation, and and I'm sure that there's room in the market for everyone to to participate. So I think, in summary, it's exciting to see the industry differentiate, um, and hopefully, this results in in a, a lot of choice for the people who use the industry. So we've got about a minute and a half left before we get out of here today. Obviously, we're talking Global Supply Chain Week and kind of a broad level overview of what this means for the market for the year. If you had to make a bold prediction for what you think is going to happen either in ocean shipping or just in general for the global supply chain this year, what do you think is something that we need to be on the lookout for? Either maybe a broader industry trend or just something that could happen that we really need to be paying attention to. So this, unfortunately, isn't a very bold prediction. I think most people would probably have said the same thing. But essentially, I think we're in for more volatility. Uh, and what I say, well, what I mean by that is, you know, we've seen a lot of volatility in the past. Um, during the pandemic, there was extreme volatility. But the, the reason why I say we should anticipate even more volatility is if you look at things like the uh, the two M Alliance, um, sort of ultimately is now formally being announced will dissolve. And uh, we're expecting carriers to take different types of strategies, some integrating, some not. Um, we're talking about potential big swings in demand based on this bullwhip effect we discussed earlier. Um, there is there is a lot of things on the horizon that could cause volatility. And so if anything, the bold prediction is, is what it probably would have been many years in, in a row is, is anticipate volatility. And I think the one big takeaway from the pandemic is managing a supply chain with supply chain risk in mind and building those mitigations is an important piece of any supply chain strategy. Using data, using technology, using all these different tools that are now available that weren't so prevalent pre-pandemic, um, I think maintains, or at least is a necess- necessity um, if, you have a, if you have a global supply chain and you need to maintain that on time and full and that reliability that, that most companies depend on. So sorry, it's not that bold, but but it certainly is something that most people should keep in the top of their minds. Absolutely. Gordon, thank you so much for joining us for Global Supply Chain Week. Of course, expertise over at the New York Shipping Exchange. We appreciate it so much and we will keep up with you soon. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Make sure that you are tuning in and staying active in our live chats here through our Global Supply Chain Week every single day. And of course, if you miss any of our content, you can find it on demand following the event on tv.freightwaves.com. Thank you, Gordon. And thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be right back.